Hi, I'm Kelly Cervantes, and this is Seizing Life, a bi-weekly podcast produced by Cure Epilepsy. Today on Seizing Life, I'm happy to welcome the Tassani family. Christiane Tassani began experiencing seizures at the age of six. Despite medications, these initial absent seizures progressed to tonic-clonic and focal seizures. Now, 11 years old, Christiane refuses to let her epilepsy stop her from doing things she loves, including competitive running. With the support of her parents, Christy and Lawrence, Christiane has continued to compete despite her seizures. In 2021, Christiane was one of the final eight runners in the Junior Olympics, ultimately finishing sixth in the country in the 100-meter competition. The Tassanis are here today to share their epilepsy journey and discuss how they are balancing seizures, medications, and quality of life. Christiane, Christy, Lawrence, thank you so much for joining us today. I want to start off with you, Christiane, and... uh, find out what you remember about your first seizure. Okay. I don't remember much of my first seizure, but I had it when I was six years old. My dad, he was walking me to school, or he was taking me to school. Then at some point, I stopped walking. He was talking to me but I wouldn't respond to him. Then at some point I snapped out of it and I started talking to him. And Lawrence, what were you thinking when this happened? To what she was saying, I was just taking her to school and uh, I was walking with her and I, I assumed that she was you know, next to me. And then I realized at some point I was walking by myself. And then um, when I turned around, I realized she had stopped. I didn't know why she had stopped. Maybe I thought, I thought maybe she saw someone that she knew. So I walked back and I said, hey, Christiane, what's going on? And she wasn't responding to me. She was just, her head was kind of going left and right like this, as if, you know, she was playing games with me. And then I, I, then I put one knee down to kind of be at eye, eye level. And I, hey, are you, can you see me? And she was like, she was, she was still doing the same thing. She wasn't even responding to me at all. I was calling her name and she wouldn't respond. And then after maybe 10 seconds, she snapped out. I knew something happened. So I called my wife and said, hey, something just happened here. She didn't respond to me for about 10, 15 seconds. I don't know what that is. And my wife didn't believe. She didn't believe me, of course. <laughs> she, she thought I was making it up. I said, no, I'm not making it up. Something happened. I don't. And she was fine then. So when, when my wife started talking to her, she was responding as if nothing ever happened. So I was like, I guess maybe it was me. And uh, we just moved on from there. So, but that day, to me, I didn't really think it was an issue. I felt something happened. But I wasn't really sure whether it was me or her. I don't know. It, just, it was just one of those situations where it was hard to understand what just happened. And what happened from there? I know there was another incident a few months later. Um, everything seemed fine until maybe, I'll say maybe four months later. About November. Yeah, that we saw. Maybe something was happening in between because we didn't really know what happened. And then she was on the couch. She was drawing. Um, and then uh, my wife was sitting there and she was drawing. And all of a sudden, her head started going left and right again, just like that. And my phone was right next to me. And I just grabbed it just to say, okay, I, I got to capture this because I don't know if it's me or her. And I just started capturing it. And my wife was sitting next to her and she didn't notice that. So I just started recording it. And then at the end, I just touched her and said, look, look to your left. And then she looked and then she realized, yeah, she was still doing that. And then she said, give me the red pencil. 
and she didn't know what the red pencil was. So give me the, the green color. She didn't know what the green color was. That's when I knew something was up. And it, but I had it on video too. So at that point, there was no more, um, you know, issues as to what had happened. I, I mean, that is so smart to take video of that situation. I mean, that is just the number one advice that I give to any parents who are concerned or questioning. So kudos to you. Christiane, when you would um, sort of snap out of it, as you were saying, um, were you scared? Did you know what was going on? Could you see that your parents were concerned or do you not remember? That's got to be a hard thing to say. I don't remember it at all. If yeah. only there was a time machine. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And, and, that, and that is correct because when she snapped out when you tell when you she doesn't know i mean it's it's almost like something got lost in space and she doesn't know when she comes back she doesn't know hey she was out for about 10 seconds and she just continued as if you know nothing ever happened so so what did you do with that video once you had recorded it yeah so the first thing i, I did is uh i called my sister she's a, a doctor i called and i say hey, let me send you this video just tell me i don't know what this is and then as soon as I sent it to her, she said, yeah, you need to talk to a neurologist. Um, there's probably something going on, but you need to talk to a neurologist. And my wife, she called and, and Christy made all the appointments. And um, that's when the journey started, really. <laughs> so, Christy, what did the, when you met with the neurologist, um, what did they tell you? Well, honestly, first, we didn't do a neurologist. They, they wouldn't let us do the neurologist. We had to go to the pediatrician first. So, went to the pediatrician. And she said, oh, I think it's absence seizures. And then she scheduled a neurologist six months out. And um, six months later, we saw a neurologist. And they confirmed that it was, they felt it was epilepsy. They felt it was absence seizures. They didn't think it was focal or, or um, grandma all the time. And they put her on some medication and they just sent us home. You know, no education, they just sent us home. So you go in, they tell you absence seizures, give her a medication. Were you alarmed? Were you worried? What what was your feeling at the time? And what did you know about epilepsy? So I knew nothing about epilepsy. Like, I, you know, I've been a case manager, so I had clients with, with epilepsy, but I just assumed that epilepsy was curable. So when I went to the appointment. Um, she gave me a prescription for Keppra. And she said, you're going to take it for one year. And after a year, you're going to get off and she's going to be okay. So I went away feeling very confident and, you know, I felt good. I had no information about epilepsy. I just had a prescription in my hand that I took to the pharmacy to get filled. And I knew that in a year, we're going to be off the medication and she was going to be cured. So that's all I knew. And I was secure in that ignorance, not knowing that that is not, that is not how it is. Yeah. I, I think it's so hard because, you know, the, the doctors don't want to alarm the parents, of course, but sometimes it is, you know, not the um, common treatable epilepsy. And I think that a lot of times those patients end up falling through the cracks unless they can advocate for themselves or have strong parents to advocate for them. So you're sent on your way with this prescription. Did it help? Did, did, um, did you see an improvement? It didn't go away. You know, we would have them every two weeks, you know, every 10 days, but it was focal seizures at that, at that point. It was not absence, it was focal seizures and it was manageable. It was still manageable. Um, 
And we went to the epileptologist, of course, after that, because we, we thought he could do a little better. And he was like, yeah, I could do better. We can get rid of these. They're focal. We can, we can do this. And so that was another journey. So so you, uh, you started the arduous journey that I think so many epilepsy families are aware of, where it can feel like you are throwing darts at a dartboard, just trying the next medication to see what helps. But of course, they all come with their own side effects, which is um, sometimes worse than the seizures themselves. What sort of side effects did you notice? Christiane, do you remember how the medications made you feel in the beginning or, or how they make you feel now even? When I take my medicine, it makes me feel tired. And sometimes it tastes nasty. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can imagine those, um, not the, uh, highlight of your, your diet, I'm sure. What were some of the other side effects that you noticed, Lawrence and, and Christy? Rage, loss of anger, like yeah. my personality completely changed. I mean, this is a very sweet child. She's still very sweet, but like a personality change. She was so angry. So antisocial. They didn't want to talk to her friends. They didn't want to do things. And that was what alarmed me to even go see the epileptologist because I was like, this isn't right. This is not the same person. Like, I just traded in this for that. And I didn't get over, I didn't, we didn't get rid of the seizures. But now I have a different personality. And it's not a nice personality. It's an angry child, an angry six year old. Again, kudos to you for recognizing that this treatment was unacceptable and not working and going and getting that second opinion and and also um, seeking out an epileptologist. I think so many people are unaware that not every neurologist is an epileptologist and that there is a difference. There's a big difference. And, and finding that epileptologist is so important. Hi, this is Brandon from Cure Epilepsy. Did you know that 30% of those diagnosed with epilepsy do not respond to current medications? That is why, for 25 years, Cure Epilepsy has been committed to inspiring hope and delivering impact by funding patient-focused research to find a cure for epilepsy. Learn more about our mission and our research by visiting cureepilepsy.org. Now back to Seizing Life. So you're going through these rounds of, of different medications, and it sounds like her seizures were sort of constantly changing and not necessarily for the better. Talk to us about that. Yeah, definitely. So it, it, even with medication, we felt that it wasn't getting any better. Um, we went from just having maybe one or two episodes to not having clusters where she would have, you know, four or five, six in a row and it was happening at night. So my wife and I, we couldn't sleep any longer. So we had to figure out a way, you know, now this is becoming really, really difficult and really crazy. So, um, how do we, first of all, you know, make sure that, um, uh, you know, we're awake to take care of her and how do we make sure she is safe? So we started organizing um, in the house and trying to say, okay, tonight is your night. If something happens, you're up. And, you know, that's really how we manage it. But from a seizure perspective, um, she was really um, not getting any better. So she was having these clusters. It was at night. Uh, sometimes she'd have it a whole night and we have to call the ambulance. Um, you know, wakes up in the morning at, at, at the hospital asking, hey, why am I here? And we have to explain what happened, but she doesn't remember. So, um, yeah, we just fell into a situation where, wow, we, you know, 
we underestimated, you know, this, this condition for sure. So I know that terrifying feeling of the nighttime seizures. Had anyone spoken to you about SUDEP at this point? Never. No one ever talks about it. We had been reading about it just because, you know, at that point we had moved her into our room. We had moved her bed into our room to monitor her. We weren't sleeping but like three hours a night. So, you know, while I'm doing my research at nighttime, probably like most parents, I'm reading about this thing, SUDEP. And I'm really concerned. And I go to the epileptologist and I say, what is this? And why hasn't anybody ever talked to me about it? Like, that, I was so afraid. But he was like, no, that's very rare. But more than that, I was wondering, why didn't you tell me? But he was more like, well, we don't really need to tell you because if, if we don't think you're high risk, we don't think to tell you. But that, that, didn't, that didn't feel right to me, like that you didn't even inform us. Like, you know, tell us, I can expect it. Yeah. It's not right because on top of that, there are things that you can do to help mitigate it. And if you're not given the information that it exists, then you can't do the behavioral controls, making sure that she's getting enough sleep, making sure that, you know, she has the low stress, all of those things that we know help lower that risk. You're not aware of it. You can't even do that. It is, it is unbelievably frustrating to hear that that, that was still your experience even, even so recently. Yeah. We took measures obviously to protect her at, at night, uh, but we started have seen examples as to where, you know, if you're not careful, you know, during the seizure, she can, you know, suffocate or she can hit her head on. So we started thinking about her safety just outside of just the seizure itself. You know, if something happened while she's sleeping, how do we make sure she's safe if you're not able to respond on time? Um, you know, we started cleaning her room, removing, you know, anything that could potentially hurt her if she were to, you know, uh, feel disoriented or anything like that. So like we did some some different mm -hmm. things that doctors don't tell you you have to research it yourself like yeah. you know the monitors out there you gotta you know investigate it yourself like how to you know protect and keep your child safe so it, it never ceases to shock me how much uh knowledge and awareness falls on the shoulders of the patient or the caregivers which I suppose is why podcasts like this exist today, so that we can talk to people like you and share that information and share that knowledge. I know that, unfortunately, Christian's seizures progressed and continued to get worse. Talk to me about that and when she had that first tonic-clonic seizure. Yeah, the first tonic-clonic happened, um, it was on the Saturday, if I remember that very well. She went outside, um, she had a, a mild... Um, seizure like a uh, like a, a focal and then uh, we brought her in and as my wife uh, was sitting on the couch with her she just went into i just saw her. for the first time i saw her eyes roll into the back of her head and she went into a you know big tonic tonic you know seizure she was vibrating she was shaking i didn't know what to do i didn't know we can get there i thought she was you know something was going to be wrong i just picked the phone i just called and i was running around the house not knowing what to do and um uh, they showed up, um, you know, the ambulance. At that point, she was responding a little bit. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was just uh, an, an, an experience that I've, it's something I've never experienced before. And uh, it was so scary. You don't know what to do. You don't know what's going to happen. I mean, it's, it, it's, I just can't describe it. And so, Christiane, were you having seizures at school? How did this, did it affect your, um, your academics, your learning? Yeah, I had seizures at school, and I didn't like it. 
when would you have your seizures in school? Was there a certain time that you would have them? It was mostly during specials. Like PE. Yeah, yeah PE. Mm -hmm. I would always have to sit out because if I did what my coach said, then I would get dizzy and have a seizure. Then the next thing I know, I would wake up in Nurse Bonnie's office. Then sometimes when she would go somewhere, I would cry because everybody saw that. And I'm embarrassed. I don't like it when people see me have seizures. Yeah. I'm so sorry. That really stinks. Lawrence, Christy, what did you notice was happening at school, socially and academically? In the beginning, it wasn't as bad. The, 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 the earlier years, it was focals. We had 504s. Then they went into IEP. We had a lot of support. Um, and we did, my husband and I did a lot of work with her, a lot of work with the teachers, a lot of tutoring. It was very hands-on, it was, but it was a little easier because we didn't have as many seizures. So it was a little easier to manage because we didn't have as many seizures at the time. But socially, you know, I think friends kind of pulled back. I mean, people, they, they do love us. I know they love us, but I still saw like, you know, my child losing friends, you know, people, she, you know, not getting invited as many parties or sleepovers anymore. Um, and so you saw that change. Um, so I would invite people to the house, of course, trying to keep things regular, but I did see a change in our life, in our social life. In our circle, some people, I'd rather not talk about it because people just can't take it. They cannot hear it. They cannot bear that, that seriousness of this condition. Like, so I try to keep it light, which I don't think I feel like I should have to, but I feel like I keep it light at times. And it's it's so frustrating because it's your normal, right? And you should be able to share it and talk about it. And I think you you said it when you were like, you know, some people just can't handle it or they don't want to handle it. And that's, um, it's really isolating. Now, Christiane, I understand that um, even with your epilepsy diagnosis and uncontrolled seizures, you have not let that slow you down literally and you are a competitive runner tell us about uh your competitive running i got into running when i saw my sister andre who was running with her friends and so what events do you run i run the 100 and the 200 and uh, I understand that your dad is your coach. How do you like having your dad as your coach? I like my dad being my coach because he teaches me new things. He teaches me new skills. He helps me be the best runner that I can be. That's, I mean, I don't know that there is a much better recommendation or referral there that you can hear, Dad. That's gotta make you feel pretty great. Now, Lawrence, I understand that um, you have not always been her coach. Talk to us about that decision to transition. Yeah, the decisions really came um, from uh, a little bit of desperation. You know, when your child is going through all these different things, you know, the memory is being impacted. You know, school is, is being impacted. 
And you start to wonder as a parent, you know, what can I do? You know, you're, you're trying the best you can to educate her, to make sure that she can be a good student. But she has these issues that she's running into with medication and the seizures and the memory and all that stuff. So you start thinking, what, what else can I do? And she was running. She was doing very well. And that's when I realized, okay, she, from time to time, she may have, you know, seizure at practice with the team that she was running with. And I realized um, we may need to isolate her a little bit as we're trying to figure out things, um, you know, in the house. I started, you know, walking out with her, knowing when to stop because I could tell when it's, when it's about to happen and knowing when to, um, you know, push her a little bit. So, but this is all really an uncommon ground to me because I, my wife and I, we kept talking about it. I, like, I don't know if I'm doing the right thing. I don't know if we're doing the right thing because we search online to try to see what person do we know that's doing sports that has epilepsy. We looked online, looked at Google, social media. We couldn't find anybody. So, and then the doctor was saying, yeah, you know, if she's okay, do it. So, and I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. Sometimes she, just like she said, um, it was very discouraging. On our way to practice, she has a seizure. I have to turn around and come home. Uh, we start practicing. She has a seizure. Um, I have to come around and, and come home. Um, the day she's supposed to practice, she had a bad seizure the night before. Okay, I have to postpone it. So, I kept just not giving up and just walking out with her. And she was such a soldier, um, you know, uh, encouraging me as well. Because when, when she's good, I mean, you can see what she could do. Um, and then that's really her attitude that made me just keep going. Because I didn't know what I was doing, really, quite frankly. And then uh, um, that's how I ended up really coaching her. And she's doing very well. And she was doing well. And we were managing the seizures, the competitions. She's had seizures right at the starting line when she's about to run. Um, I had to learn how to deal with that, uh, to deal with that uh, uh, and, and talk to her and make sure she was okay with it. Um, but um, yeah, just a, a unique journey, uh, just learning as I go, quite frankly. So I think we've buried the lead a little bit here because when you say that Christiane was doing well, what you mean is that she actually made it to the final round in the Junior Olympics. I mean, that's huge. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, definitely. So it was... Um, an interesting experience, I would say, for us. Um, uh, because you've actually, going into the Junior Olympics, we had so many issues, so many setbacks, and we were wondering on that day, if, even if it was worth, you know, going there, because it's expensive, you gotta book a hotel, you know, all these stuff, uh, buy a plane ticket, it was in Houston. So we wanted to make sure that um, we're not wasting our time based on what we had saw prior to, you know, her being there. So. Um, so she had qualified for the 200, no, the 100 meter and uh, long jump, but the 200 she failed to qualify because she had a seizure um, during the, um, the qualification round. So that was a, that was a tough one for us to swallow. And then when when it came to um, decide whether we needed to go, it was kind of a hard decision for us. But she had worked so hard that we felt that you know what, if we don't go all the way. Um, that would not be uh, respecting all the work that she 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 has done she had done. So um, we decided to go anyways. Um, it was 95 kids for her age group um, from all over the country, and uh, we had to go through three rounds. You know, the first one, the first round, we, they had to pick. They had to go from 95 to 24, and then the second round from 24 to eight, and then the eight went back uh, for the finals. And she was part of those eight, and she finished. Uh, she finished sixth. That's amazing, Christian. First of all, congratulations. That is quite the accomplishment. Now, I know that you had been consulting with her doctors sort of throughout this entire process. 
what had they told you sort of leading up to this? Yeah, so from their perspective, uh, we, we felt really encouraged. So we didn't have anyone discouraging us from, um, you know, from for, for her participating. Um, but we felt a little bit scared because we didn't find any other parent or any other child that was going through what she was going through. And sometimes, you know, during practice, you know, she would, she would have seizures. And uh, we just wanted to make sure that we were doing the right thing for her. Um, but at the same time, you know, with all the other challenges that she had, uh, even with school and you know, other activities, we felt that we needed to stick to something for her. You know, we needed to stick to something. She was talented and we just felt that, you know what, um, she's having seizures while sleeping. She's having seizures while, while, you know, playing. She's having seizures while watching TV. If she's having seizures while, you know, practicing sport, you know, it's part of, I guess, um, uh, it's part of the challenges that we face on a daily basis. So we may as well just figure out a way to deal with it. So, uh, but for the most part, you know, most doctors or, or you know, or people we spoke to were very, were very encouraging in terms of, you know, her doing sports with epilepsy. Yeah, I, you know, it's it's talking about that quality of life and that balance, right? It is um, maintaining her mental health too and, and participation. Um, you know, I, I want to take a step back for just a moment because you mentioned earlier that she had had a seizure during the qualifiers for the 200 meter. And I believe she had had a seizure on the, the starting line. And, you know, I can't help but think as unfortunate as that situation is, and I know how disappointing that was. Um, I'd love to hear from your standpoint, the, the education that you're able to provide and show to this entire junior Olympic running world that here is this amazing girl who is super fast. She also happens to have seizures, but she can still participate and do all of these amazing things. And I just, there is no comparison for that level of awareness and education. I'm just curious what the response was back to you as people are becoming aware and acknowledging uh, her epilepsy and how it impacts her. And maybe more importantly, how it doesn't impact her in some ways. No, definitely. Yeah, and that is a good question because this um, journey has been, even for us parents, you know, dealing with her every day, it has been a learning uh, path for us as well. Um, but one good example that I can use is um, uh, during one of her competitions, she was gonna, she was running a relay. So it was a 100-meter relay. It's a team event. Um, and uh, she was lined up. She was going to be on the second leg. And they were lining up, you know, ready to go. And then I was about 20 feet to 25 feet away from her just watching. And then all of a sudden, she didn't look right. So she started looking up. And then she just and, – and I started walking towards her because I, I knew something was going on. And by the time I got there, if I wasn't there, she would have hit the ground. And then I caught her. Um, I kind of talked to the officials real quick. I raised my hand and said, you know, she's not able to go. And while I was talking to her, she went into a grandma. You know, she started shaking and all that. So most people saw that. And it took her probably, I'd say, about 30 to 35 seconds to get out of it. The coach um, of the team came in running as well, trying to figure out what was going on. He knew that, you know, she had epilepsy, but never really saw her. Um, no one on the team had really, really seen her, you know, going through a seizure. So after that, uh, she's 35 seconds. She snapped out. I waited about a couple of minutes. And then I took her out completely. I took her to my car. 
uh, where she was, uh, she started to kind of fall asleep a little bit. Um, and then she was substituted, obviously, uh, because they had to run. I took her to the car. Um, we waited for about, I'd say about 35 minutes or so. And then after that, she woke up from a nap and she was like, um, are we ready to run? I said, yes, we are. And then the 100 event was going to take place uh, right away because while we're waiting in the car, actually, we were worrying because we didn't know if she was able to, she would be able to get back and, and run. And if she wasn't able to get back to run, it would be over for her as well. So she got up. Uh, the 100 meter was going to start and she came in like nothing ever happened. People were looking at her like, okay, didn't I just saw this child on the ground? And she took off running like there was not even a match. Um, she won that event on Friday, came back on Saturday. She won the, the uh, 100, and she ran the 50 meter that day as well. And then she won the, um, she medaled in all three events. Um, again, the, the gap was so big that you couldn't even, the second one was far, far behind her. And one of the coaches, I mean, they just came like looking at her that day, like I saw what I saw yesterday and I can't believe she came back and she was running this fast. I want to add that during that race where she had the seizure from her, 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 just the audience, her teammates, you know, in the car, we were like, hey, Chris Young, you want to go home? We can end it here. We can go home. You did amazing. But she woke up from her seizure and she said to us, I want to go back out there. So it wasn't us saying, you know, yeah. like I was so impressed. I, I admired my kids so much because she said, I want to go back out there. And I was like, well, I'm going to follow you. Let's go. And yeah. she went out there and did it. And I remember seeing people just shaking their heads like I cannot believe that I just saw what I saw. I was so proud that that was my child. I really was. That's incredible. And I, I wish that none of that ha had to happen. I wish that that wasn't an education that um, her teammates and everyone on that track had to experience that day. But um, Christiane, that's, that's pretty brave right there. In fact, that, that ranks up there in like the top five bravest things I think I may have ever heard. And um I think you're pretty incredible. I'm I'm curious about the status of Christian's epilepsy today. Have you been able to get any better seizure control or um, manage the seizure frequency? Do you have more information about her epilepsy or what is causing it? Basically, how is she doing today? You know, we, it's one day at a time. I mean, she's still having seizures. She hit 11, you know, and puberty increased the seizures and the type of seizures. So it has been tough since the age of 11. It was since, since last year. Um, and we went to Cleveland Clinic last July and she was diagnosed with polymicrogyria. And so we know why she's having the seizures now. So that's good. But the only options we've been given is possibly surgery, but unfortunately she's not a surgery candidate because if they do operate, um, she would lose 50% of her vision and she would lose her ability to, um, she'd be paralyzed to the right side of her body. So that's just not an option uh, for us. And I feel like she has to make that decision when she's older as well to see what she thinks, if it's, if it's worth the risk. I think she needs to make that decision when she's like 18 or so. So yeah, we're just, try we're just trying to manage right now. Honestly, we're just trying to manage the seizures right now. Yeah, well, and you can always hope that technology advances and maybe, the outcomes are better in the future. I wonder what advice would you give to other parents who are journeying down this road? I always go back to when we first got, you know, diagnosed. Um, 
I know every case is different. And I talk to my wife about this, you know, sometimes I'm saying, you know, if she only had two seizures in three years, I don't think I'd be the same person today. So uh, I think each case is different. Um, I still think you have to take it seriously, even if uh, you don't see as many seizures. Educate yourself anyways. Um, we were forced to educate ourselves. We were because seizures were happening and we, we had no choice but to educate ourselves. So uh, you have to educate yourself. Understand that doctors don't know everything. Um, you are the true doctor, the parent, because you're seeing how your child's reacting to whatever you're giving them. Uh, you're seeing, you know, how your child's behaving. Uh, you see all that stuff versus, you know, the doctor that just sees that for, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes. So um, you have to relate that to the doctor. You know, make sure you find a doctor that, that's going to listen to you and not just say, hey, you go by what I tell you and that's it. Because, um, again, the doctor, the, the neurologist has to listen to you and, let, and work with you to make sure that uh, you're working together to get to uh, a solution. Um, they don't know everything. Um, obviously, and I'm not saying anything to, you know, make them look bad, but they know enough for, to at least guide us as parents uh, but at the same time you have to make sure that you're there to communicate with them and be patient and follow your gut so if something uh, doesn't look right you know uh, don't force it don't just don't force it um, if it doesn't look right it's probably not right so uh, and, and just be patient and, and, and it could be a long journey as well that is excellent advice Christy anything you want to add yeah like join support groups I mean honestly join support groups find friends that your child can relate to and try to figure out a new normal for your family. Like, don't just stop. Because I think there were years where we just kind of stopped living our lives. We were chasing the cure. So we just kind of stopped because our life, our mantra became, well, when we find the cure and when she's okay, then we'll start living our lives. And that doesn't work. You gotta live your lives, you know, through it. Find your bliss through <laughs> through the, the struggle. Just kind of try to figure out what's good for your family. I think you hit on something. There's one person in the family that is diagnosed with epilepsy, but that diagnosis affects the entire family. And, you know, sort of keying into that and recognizing that is a huge step that that needs to be acknowledged, especially when there's other children in the family. Christiane, I wonder, I want to ask you, do, what advice would you give to another kid who's been diagnosed with epilepsy? I would tell them, don't let epilepsy stop you from doing the things that you like to do. That is excellent, excellent advice. And you are the perfect poster child to be delivering that message. Um, and I also want to know when is, uh, or when or what is the next uh, race that you're looking forward to? The next race I'm looking forward to is participating in the Junior Olympics in Iowa. July of this year, so I need to be practicing with my dad to not only qualify for that competition, but to also complete the best 12-year-old girls in the country. I love it, and I cannot wait to cheer you on from a distance. I am so excited for you, uh, and we wish you all the best. I just want to say thank you so much to all three of you for sharing with us today. You are incredible, and I just appreciate so much your your openness and, and advocacy. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having us, and, and thank you for providing this, um, this platform as well, because, um, once, again, when we first started, we didn't have things like this to, to learn from. So 
being able to share our stories, um, what she's gone through. We're hoping that it's also going to help another parent somewhere around the group. So we really appreciate it. Thank you, Christiane, Christy, and Lawrence for sharing your epilepsy story with us. We wish Christiane the best of luck in her future competitions. As the Tasani story makes clear, people with epilepsy often struggle to find an acceptable balance between seizures, medication side effects, and quality of life. For too many people with epilepsy, the side effects of medication can be just as challenging and debilitating as the seizures themselves. That is why Cure Epilepsy was founded 25 years ago by mothers who could no longer accept the status quo of epilepsy treatments. Our goal is to find a cure for epilepsy. You can help us achieve that goal by visiting cureepilepsy.org forward slash donate. Cure Epilepsy, inspiring hope and delivering impact. Thank you. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Cure Epilepsy. The information contained herein is provided for general information only and does not offer medical advice or recommendations. Individuals should not rely on this information as a substitute for consultations with qualified healthcare professionals who are familiar with individual medical conditions and needs. Cure Epilepsy strongly recommends that care and treatment decisions related to epilepsy and any other medical conditions be made in consultation with a patient's physician or other qualified healthcare professionals who are familiar with the individual's specific health situation.